Hi there, this is Donna Bordeaux with Campground Accounting, and you're listening to Campground Compass, the show dedicated to campground owners in an entrepreneurial mindset who seek to grow and expand in the wild and wonderful world of business. Thanks for joining us at Campground Compass. I'm your host, Donna Bordeaux. And your co-host, Zach Bordeaux, son of Donna Bordeaux, CEO and Oracle. Yes. Yep. Well, we have some exciting <laughs> things to talk about today. Um, we've had some issues where things have come up that raise some spidey senses. So we want to talk about some suspicious things today. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, we figured... Halloween's over, but we'll still go in and look at some suspicions and investigate because we're going to be your private investigators for today, and we're going to take our journey into a few things that seem a little suspicious to us. All right. First off, I don't know if you saw the news story, but some pretty big news for campgrounds. We're not usually known to be in the news for big issues coming up, but we have a potential fraud case that is working its way through the court system. At Carolina Pines, uh, their former manager was indicted on five counts of defrauding the resort of about $800,000. Dang. Yeah. Now, Carolina Pines hasn't been open that long. It is a sun resort. And what happened was... um, he had access to credit card, the reservation system, for their customers. So if their customers checked in during COVID, they had a pretty relaxed uh, cancellation party uh, policy. policy. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so when the customers checked in, he would get them set up, and then he would show it as a refund, like they canceled at the last minute. Only he redirected those funds. Back to his own personal checking accounts, allegedly. Allegedly. Yes. Uh, now, we don't know for sure, but he has been indicted. Um, there's The article will be in the show notes, so go check that out. Um, it says he allegedly received more than $800,000 in fraudulent refunds over 28 months. So that's not a very long time at all. Um, that's as long as they've been yeah, open. Yeah, that's pretty. pretty that's pretty much since they've been opened, and he p- faces a minimum penalty of twenty years in federal prison. Ouch. Um, that was it probably wasn't worth. I don't know. He might have thought it was worth it, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't think that was worth it personally. Twenty years. Um, if he was going to, and he's that, already. He he's already. It says he's already. Uh, saw it just a second ago. Fifty three. So he'll be there till he's seventy three minimum, allegedly. Right. So, yeah. If he was going to make that uh, move. He should have made some moves to get on out of the country. Yeah. <laughs> before. But he must have thought yeah. that gravy train was going to continue on. A lot of people, uh, it sounds like when they get into these fraudulent schemes like this, they just all of a sudden, after a little while, and hey, after 26 months, who'd have thought he's going to get caught? Yeah, um, yeah. But that that gravy train almost always ends. And yeah. Never in a good way. Yeah. So... Oof. A good lesson to everyone, we talked about this on a blog post recently, but make sure that you understand how to trace fraud and prevent it with a good reservation system, a good check-in system. If you're handling cash, especially, that is generally where most fraud happens with cash register type Mm -hmm. fraud or check-in fraud. 
Yeah. Um, people, the, the easier way, a smarter way that this could have been done, uh, not to give <laughs> tips to fraudsters, but if this had all been a canceled reservation for people who were paying cash, which I know is a lot less now, they virtually couldn't have tracked this. Yeah. Uh, not very easily. Yeah. Well, and the amount of money is just a wild amount for how long they've been open. I remember we went to Carolina Pines. I want to say, I don't know, how long ago Spring was it? It wasn't that long a year ago. year and a half ago. Yeah. It wasn't that long ago. And um, we were there, so. Yeah. So keep an eye on this case. It'll be good to uh, see what happens and watch the future of this. Um, may also cause some of the reservation system companies to add in a little more fraud protection. One of the best things you can do as an owner of a park or of any retail establishment is look at every voided ticket in your system, every voided sale, every voided reservation. You should be watching those. Now, in this case, he was dealing with a pretty large uh, corporate entity. So honestly, I would have thought they would have caught it faster. Yeah, I would have too. But uh, obviously their fraud systems are not mm -hmm. up to par uh, yeah. in checking this yeah um my biggest memory from carolina pines was we were there with uh, some friends of ours but we would play golf cart hide and seek yes yes which we called manhunt but that was the way to do it but yeah. now this guy's getting manhunted he didn't he didn't <laughs> that, that name didn't age well i guess but but we would go out and we would have we'd have two golf carts because they had one we had one and we would go and we would hide, and then the other team would come find us, and then you get some hints or whatever over the phone. Or we had walkie-talkies, I think, at the time or something. Yeah. But, yeah. I remember that was a lot of fun. Some suspicious but, minds there, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, but that guy certainly did get manhunted. Yeah, we'll want to watch and Oof. see what happens with that case. Yeah. We'll definitely keep you posted. If any sort of updates come up, we'll make sure to circle back to it, as they say. So, yeah. All right. And another kind of an article popped into my news feed that um, resonated here while we're on the topic of suspicion. Uh, Frank Rolfe from RV Park University, which uh, he's a pretty well-known guy, does a lot of information about uh, buying and selling parks. And he had a really good article that coincided with a conversation I was having with a potential buyer of a campground right at the same time. And this focuses on short-term owners who are trying to sell their park. Now, we all know there's been a great growth in the price of parks. So this, this is not to say every short-term owner is out to do some harm or has something to hide. Uh, however, the, the, the short-term wins here could be enough that people are going to sell after only owning a park for a short amount of time. So in Frank's article, he's talking about what happens when somebody owns a park, say for a year or less, and they put it on the market to sell it. Why would they do that if they were only going to own it for that short of a period of time? Yeah, and it does raise some suspicions. Yeah. Um, and... It is kind of interesting article, um, even not for campground owners, but for any business. Why would they sell it so quickly? But 
Yeah, there's um, there's always people trying to, you know, take a, a fast sale and turn it around, flip it, like flipping houses, and make a lot of money on it. Um, and sometimes people think about campgrounds like their real estate to where they could be doing some sort of a flipping type thing. Uh, but the biggest questions you want to ask yourself if you've got this situation is why? Let's dig into the motive of why would they sell that quickly? Um, and Frank brings up some good points here too. He's talking about, did they find out that the property floods a lot? Uh, is there some big infrastructure problem that has been uncovered that might, they might say, Oh, I'm not sticking around for that. <laughs> that's a lot of money. That's going to have to be sunk into this. I want to get out before the, uh, repairs have to come into play or some other issues like that where, it wouldn't be a good position to be buying if those situations were uh, in the underlying elements of why they were selling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting. The uh, article's talking about the debt and um, higher basis on the property. Um, and it also talks into the due diligence phase, which we talk about a lot. Um, and make sure that you really do have a solid due diligence phase right at the beginning of selling or buying, sorry. So, yeah. yeah, the due diligence process is very important when buying. And uh, we help out specifically in that due diligence. And a lot of people always say, well, like, what do I have to do? What do I have to check on? Well, there's a long list of things that you need to go through in due diligence. But one of the big elements that I help out with are the financial and the tax sides and their representations of what kind of money this park is going to make and what their expenses are. So we've talked before about grooming to sell. Some people groom a park to sell it where they're not really recording all the expenses. Mm -hmm. And in a traditional sense, let's say somebody had owned, owned this park for 15 years. Well, you can usually see that grooming over a course of the last two or three years mm -hmm. where expenses started going down. Mm -hmm. Well, in a case where somebody owned it for a year or less, you may not be able yeah, to see those to see trends. Yeah. That is difficult to see. So in the particular case where I was working with, uh, it was a, a campground that was open for about eight months a year. And the buyer said that he bought it at a deep discounted price and he decided he had other things to do. He lived out of state. All right. Uh, you know, it could be true, but you want to keep your eyes open when you're looking at this to make sure that you don't see any other red flags because that should raise a little spidey sense, I would say. Yeah. Um, when you're looking at that, then uh, in this particular case, he presented a list of all these improvements that he had made. He purchased the park in August of last year, and now he put it up for sale in July. So either he really had a change of heart or some, what's that little underlying mm -hmm. element that he said, I got to get out. Um, and, you know, he could be telling them the truth, but you can't be that careful. This is a lot of money that you're investing when buying, so you really owe it to yourself to dive in. Mm -hmm. Now, in this case, the guy presented him with a list of these improvements, and it was like all round numbers. You know, a new fence, $5,000. Uh, new playground equipment, $8,000. This is like in my accounting class, <laughs> in like my level one accounting class where they're like, 
All right, they, they bought, bought supplies, supplies for $800. <laughs> round numbers What's that mean? Round numbers is always suspicious, always a red flag. Absolutely. Uh, so in my scenario with him, I said, all right, maybe he did do these repairs. First off, you want to visually check them. So on a visit to that park, you're going to visually run down that list. Let me see that new playground. Let me see that new fence. So see it to believe it. And then secondly, I want to see the invoices. These things just happened this year, you're telling me. Yeah. So there's no and reason. It would be different if it was 10 years ago, but it's the same year. So. Yeah. Those should be yeah. real handy. Yeah. And um, I would also be suspicious if I just see a check written to Joe Smith for $8,000 for a yeah. new fence. Um, check these things out a little bit. See if they really make sense. <laughs> yeah. Did you just pay a friend $8,000 even though it was a $400 repair and then pocket the cash? Yeah. You hope never to have to deal with those kinds of issues. But when you're looking at buying a half million, million dollar park or up. Yeah, it's not so far-fetched. Yeah, you've really got to do your due diligence yeah. and your homework to make sure yeah. that you can eliminate that suspicion. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of buying... Um, Let's move into our next topic, which is uh, investment groups um, and the Happy Camper one especially. They have incredi accredited investors um, have a $25 million fund. Let's see. I'll pull up the article here. Um, the Happy Camper's capital is starting a new fund for $25 million for campgrounds. Yeah. And it does seem a little suspicious, honestly. It does. I mean, I don't know that this one's not completely legitimate, but again, I was like, you know, when you're looking at something and it sounds too good to be true, sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. But in their particular case, how this works is we're all familiar kind of with the, you know, the big corporate entities will take a pot of money, go buy out campgrounds and do their thing with it. They're, they're there to long-term be a hospitality provider and operate it. In these scenarios, the Happy Camper and other venture capital firms are taking accredited investors. Now, accredited investors, you have to actually meet a lot of criteria to be an accredited investor. It means you've got to have a good bit of money and that you can withstand the risk of making a personal investment like this. Mm -hmm because you can't just not everybody can be an accredited investor they have to pass some criteria based on their wealth um, but their goal here is that they want to give a 15 percent return on their investment in these dollars so they're raising 25 million to buy up campgrounds so they're looking at buying basically mom and pop campgrounds some may need a little tlc some minor improvements but they have already purchased uh, in one round of investments, I think it was four or five campgrounds that they already own. Yep, I saw four on their website. And they're under the name brand is Beyonder. Yeah. Um, so they basically keep the old name of the existing campground when they buy it, but they put the Beyonder brand in front of it, and then they operate it. Now, this is actually a great exit strategy for some of the mom-and-pop owners who say you know now's my time i i just don't want to do this anymore i'm tired i have other interests i want to pursue or maybe they have health issues that you just can't operate the business anymore the same way 
if that's the case, this may be a, a prime place to find a buyer, especially if you need somebody to buy you out quickly. So they actually have on their website, if you want them to buy your park, you can submit your info. Uh, but the main thing I get concerned about in these, in any situation where there's not an owner operator, they tend to first off get that corporate feel. Are they really offering mm -hmm. the true guest experience that our industry really needs and prides ourselves on? Yeah. And like we talked about earlier with the Carolina Pine situation and having a manager run it, do managers do the same things as owners who put their life savings on the line? Yeah, yeah I think honestly, usually. a lot of them, they don't. Yeah. yeah. So, so and, and I also, I'm concerned, you know, we have a labor shortage and, and I, we use that word too much. Yeah. It's not really a labor shortage. It's a laziness factor in a lot of cases. Yeah. There's a lot of people who just aren't working right now who left the workforce for some, for reasons of their own choosing. Yeah. But well, well, it's not going to be a labor shortage anymore because everybody's going to work for the IRS. <laughs> oh, that's right. I hear they're taking uh taking on eighty seven thousand. IRS alert! IRS alert! IRS alert! <laughs> yeah. So, when we talk about having managers and staff run a campground, I always feel like there's this in this whole plan that where like everything gets lazy. Yeah. Where, you know, the stuff that might bother an owner won't bother just an employee who's there to earn a paycheck. Yeah. Now, now, I'm not saying this for every manager. I can't mm -hmm. pigeonhole everybody in that. Mm -hmm. But it, in a broad sense. Yeah. And there are a, a lot of very hard workers. But, absolutely. But with the less people working, the really good managers are going to be right up at the top and getting paid the most money possible. And the uh, little... To get them. Yeah, the little mom-and-pop shops and the smaller campgrounds aren't going to be able to afford these great managers as much yeah. as yeah. the big corporations. So it's a big shift in our industry to have these kinds of firms coming in to buy up the mom-and-pop. We're seeing this big shift. Before, our main shift was either it was a mom-and-pop or a franchise campground. And then we brought in the corporate companies that were running them the suns the outdoor resorts and now we have one other little level that's kind of wedging its way into the market and trying to be in between the corporate and the mom and pop but i'm not sure that i quite see the whole pathway to success because you really have to your staffing has mm -hmm. to be tip top and that's hard to yeah. do yeah i know it's um What's the other one? It's not Sun, but there's another one that's like Sun. Uh, I'm not sure. I can't remember which one I'm thinking of. But I know it's like you go there and you know that it's a corporate feel. Sun's kind of the same way, Encore too. Yeah, one. maybe that's it. And you go there and you kind of know that it's corporate. Yeah. Just because, you know, these people aren't... It's not that they're rude, but they're not like... The owners like to come and talk to you. Like, for example, I'll give you a real-world example of where I've experienced. Where I work, the owner, I work at a restaurant, the owner goes and talks to every single table that's there. He goes and has a full conversation with every single person that's there. The managers don't do that because they don't really have to. Uh, and it's not as important to them because it's not their money on the line. Yeah. You know, 
But with, when you go to McDonald's, they're not going to do that. Why would they? <laughs> you're lucky if you get yeah. your food. <laughs> yeah, you're lucky if they tell you your order's ready. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, and and it's a shame because our society as a whole now, I really feel like we have just downgraded our whole expectations mm-hmm. of customer service in all industries. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's good, especially for the camping. Camping is such a personalized experience that that customer service element can make or break an experience. Definitely. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, and one thing that you can learn here, like what I just said, is go talk to people. I Absolutely. Have conversations with people. Whether you're an owner or whether you're a manager or whatever you are, go have conversations with people because you never know what connections you might gain. You know, Especially with, we talked on, I think, episode one about celebrities on the road. You know, you might make a connection to somebody who's rich or famous or can provide you with some insider knowledge or provide you with money or provide you with XYZ anything. provide you with a smile on yeah. your face for the day. Maybe yeah. you've had a crappy day of dealing with people yeah. on the phone yelling at you yeah. or not getting things done because that yeah. happens every day yeah. now. Uh, heaven forbid, go out and talk to somebody. Put a smile on somebody yeah. else's face. Or if you called the you IRS today. That would... Oh, what is that? Put a smile on my face on that day <laughs> I wish I could do that at like the end of my day. Yeah. So that I could just have a little. Yeah, but there's time no off. shot that you're going to get to. In, no, I got it. 7 a.m. I got to do it. At least breakfast is coming after that. Yeah. So that's my I think they just like start light. work at like 7 and they all just like go to the break room at like 8, which obviously uh, we know the IRS break room. If you've seen the picture, <laughs> you get the joke. But they probably yeah, just like leave at like 8 because. I've never seen anybody personally get through to the IRS after like like an hour after they open. Oh, no. Well, no. you might I don't sit even on the phone them. with them for four hours and then get to them. I don't even know. Well, usually, usually they just hang up on you because they're nice and friendly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we they talked so about They were so nice as to service. do you the favor. <laughs> well, good thing there would be 87,000 new ones to. Speaking of suspicion. <laughs> Speaking of suspicion. The IRS. <laughs> There's oh. my number one suspicion. Yeah. So, yes, our motive today is IRS, talking about... IRS, please don't shoot us. This is all alleged. <laughs> I know you're gun trained. <laughs> We're good. Yeah, we, we don't need any audits. <laughs> yeah. So, so in talking about the suspicion, one other thing came up in the news this week. Um, I saw one of my... Uh, a, a colleague that I know of posted... Um, business owner that they were getting lights led lights through their energy company at a with a grant and i actually had duke power call me the other day and they were off i don't know what they were trying to do it was some kind of gimmick where they said they were gonna level out my energy or something i don't know i don't have time to talk about that and if they were legit they wouldn't be calling me yeah uh, they'd be mailing me something with my bill so I didn't have time for that, but a uh, colleague had a lighting uh, grant that she was able to get. Mm-hmm. She, in her business, uh, retail business, she got $6,000 worth of lighting uh, installed in mm-hmm. parts for $1,600. Yeah, and if you're watching here on YouTube, which I forgot on the IRS alert, 
if you're listening on audio, if you're not aware, you can actually go to YouTube and watch the video version of this podcast too. And we got some alerts going on. We got all kinds of things popping up on the screen. But over here on the video, you can kind of see the article. Uh, but it says, you can apply to get your existing lighting replaced with LED via grants. I am getting 6000 worth of labor and lights for 1600 installed this week. Search energy or entergy is it supposed yeah. to be entergy or yeah, is it supposed her, to, okay. the power company okay. in in uh, Mississippi, Louisiana, and parts of Arkansas? Yeah, is entergy entergy light program and your state? Yes. So, so if you're in that area, yeah. in that neck of the woods, check that out. See if they can help yeah. you and take advantage of those yeah. grants. Uh, we'll probably see a whole lot more coming with energy grants next year. There's a lot of new law changes coming to that so there always is but just be always more. the lesson here is just keep your eyes open keep listening to the podcast because we'll definitely shout it out if there are any more yeah if um, you come across any in your area please let us yeah, know let too. us know you can also submit ideas uh yeah. i think it's slash ideas right campgroundcompasspodcast.com slash ideas i will verify that real quick uh, but I'm pretty sure that's accurate. And you can submit any podcast ideas. If you want us to touch on a topic, if you have questions, yeah. um, if you want us to, you know, any ideas or questions or anything like that, campgroundcompasspodcast.com slash ideas. And there's a form there that you can fill out. And we'll get right to your ideas on hopefully yeah. the next episode. I'd love to have some ideas come in yeah. and questions that we can dive into because we're here to provide you with valuable information. So we want to answer your questions. Yeah. Yeah. And we hope to eventually do listener call-ins, hopefully. Yeah. So, so if you have questions, go ask. Uh, yeah, it's going to be campgroundcompasspodcast.com slash ideas. I know you can't see it on this screen, but I'll try to pull it up and zoom in real quick and see yeah. if I can make so you can we'll see We'll put it. the link in the show notes as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, submit, submit your, your ideas. ideas. Yep. Check out for those grants with yep. LED lighting programs all throughout the country. Those ones, again, were with Entergy, but I'm sure there are a lot of different power companies throughout the United States that are offering those grants. And honestly, you're probably not going to just pop out to their website and find it too, pretty easily. Um, I know I looked on Entergy's website to find to see if there was a specific link. And they have some information, but it's kind of cryptic to you and me. You might want to just call the power company and ask them if somebody can evaluate you to see if you qualify for those grants or if they have them in your area. That might be a faster way to get that ball moving. Yep. All right. So you want to go ahead and move into our next topic? Yeah. Um, we're going to talk for a few minutes about infrastructure. Um we had some interesting Facebook uh, group um, messages talking about infrastructure and campgrounds um, as we were, or as you were scrolling through your Facebook groups. Yeah. Um, also, you can go friend us uh, on any of the, we're on most of the campground groups at Campground Accounting, so if you have any questions there, you can always ask us and tag us and we might talk about it. Um, we do get a lot of ideas from there because we do want to be valuable to the industry, so um, we do get a lot of our ideas from the Facebook groups. You can pretty much run about every campground owner Facebook group. Yeah, all that uh, I know. Campground <laughs> um, you can also DM us Facebook 
facebook.com slash at campground compass podcast or instagram.com slash campground compass podcast either of those will work so yeah well there the question came up was there any kind of software or an app that you could use to mark where all your infrastructure was in your campground and i think this was one of the cases where like people were thinking too hard yeah Uh, make this super simple um the uh, the post actually gave some suggestions, really good ones, about basically getting a big map of your campground, take your engineering drawings, or take and have your, uh, even your reservation map. You, most everybody's got a map of their park and where all the sites are. And take it and just mark on there where those uh, emergency cutoffs are, where your gas lines or your electrical lines, water lines, all of those systems are located. The goal here is if anybody is ever incapacitated for any reason, how will somebody else know if there's an emergency what to do? So you want to make sure you have this documented. Also, again, if we're talking about selling your park one day. Great great thing to have, yeah. Great thing to have that already documented and lined up. And another little side-by-side note that I suggest is at the same time you're marking those, uh, mark them on a map. And take your cell phone. Everybody's got one. Ooh. I wonder if this interweb thing is going to stay around. <laughs> it might. You get a button for that, the interwebs. You don't even need the interwebs for this one. Take your cell phone out and do a video recording. Walk up. Take a video pointing at the cutoff valve for your water. Mm-hmm. And talk through what you would tell somebody if they were standing right next to you about how you should deal with the water shutoff. Or this is a great time for winterizing. If you are winterizing, do the same thing. Record the whole thing. And, and I'll tell you, you can even buy a GoPro, put it on your hat, <laughs> walk around with it, tax-deductible GoPro, uh, go video what all the steps are that you take in your winterization or in any kind of a, an emergency situation where you need to document where stuff is for people who wouldn't know where that is. Mm-hmm. And you just got a brilliant tip right off your GoPro. It's tax deductible. Absolutely. Or you could even get your camcorder, write that off too. Yeah, yeah definitely. The Put that sucker on a VHS tape. <laughs> yeah, put that in the safe, put in your Betamax. Put that in the safe. <laughs> Yeah, but make sure you document this stuff. It's super easy to do. And in most of the parks where I talk to the owners, there's one person who has all that knowledge in their head and nobody else knows how to do it. Yeah. Uh, Usually it's the owner and not to Mm -hmm. stereotype, but usually it's the male owner. Mm -hmm. They know where all the stuff is. There's one person who knows. Mm -hmm. And if you ask the other people who work there, they have no idea how to yeah. do that if an emergency would arise. Yeah, and, you know, me and you have talked a lot about, like, in the past, like, for other businesses that either of us work with, but for other businesses, you know, we talk about if the owner died, this business is not going to survive. There's a bunch of certain ones in particular where these people are either at the face of their business, which can cause a lot of problems because if you ever want to sell it you don't want to necessarily be the face of your business now does that mean don't get out on social media no that's not at all what that means but 
Don't make yourself your business. Make your business your business and yourself yourself. Yeah. Kind of separate the two. And if this person were to ever die or we're in, a, we're in a situation where they wouldn't be able to continue working, all the knowledge is in their head. Yeah. You know, all the knowledge of what went on in the past, you know, all the classified information, all that's in their head. It's not written down anywhere or protected or anywhere where it can be found. And even for a campground owner, here's my pledge. I want you to each take one day and I want you to record everything you do. Whether it's where where the keys to the lawnmower are or how to, uh, you know, what happens if an electrical pedestal breaks? This is such a huge knowledge skill that you need to document. Imagine how valuable this is for Mm -hmm. when you sell your campground. If a new person's coming in, that they can refer to this whole guide of all these videos you've recorded of how to do stuff. Keep in mind when you're selling, you're not generally selling to somebody who's ever run a campground before. Mm They have no idea except they know this is a lifestyle they want, mm-hmm. but they have no knowledge of how and what to do on a day-to-day basis. And another side hustle idea here, document stuff, upload it to YouTube, Yeah. how to start a lawnmower, how to fix a campground electric pedestal, how to do all this stuff. And then you might get, you might even get sponsored. You might get sponsored by a campground accounting. You never know. Right. Uh, but, you know, just the, the basics of how do you do this. I'll put it to YouTube. Eventually, the YouTube will catch traction. It always does. It takes time, but you got to stay with it. Uh, and document it for other campground owners. Yeah. And you might not even make money off of it, but you might make a valuable connection that can lead you to being able to sell or to get some knowledge or even a smile on your face. Yeah, make a friend. I mean, yeah. we, we talk about competition a lot in all different <laughs> kinds of businesses. Other campground owners are not your competition. Mm-hmm. They are a wealth of knowledge that you should be befriending to make sure that you have a backup source of information or somebody to call when something weird happens. You know, Facebook is a perfect example of this. Before the days of Facebook, and being on social media or being on the internet, campground owners had to rely on the fact that they might see another campground owner once a year at a convention, or that there was somebody 10 miles down the road that maybe they could talk to every once in a while if a problem arose or something weird happened. Um, Now you've got this whole new world of people that you can collaborate with, commiserate with, uh, use as a, a whole resource of knowledge. And that is a, a really great thing, uh, especially today where we talk about being so isolated as a business owner. Mm-hmm. You're not really alone when you have all these other people who are available to be your resources and you are their resources. So and use your resources. Don't take them for granted. Yeah, absolutely. Go take them out to lunch and some days, honestly, especially like at the end of a busy season, as as an accountant, I have a group of friends that are accountants. We just go out and kind of 
do the old moaning session of <laughs> complain yeah. and vent a little and we yeah. all feel better and have a good lunch and yeah we're good friends yeah, yeah. and even if it's not somebody who's you can do a lunch with zoom with them yeah call them up on the phone yeah absolutely hit them with your little rotary dial <laughs> and spin that out huh? yeah spin it up <laughs> yeah so so i think we've taken all our suspicions and put them out there today yeah hopefully you could rethink some of your things and make sure that you don't fall victim to fraud mm -hmm. uh and put that little ounce of of thought into your head that you might have just been happy-go-lucky and forgot about <laughs> yep. yep so that's going to be it for this episode uh we want to make sure that you're following us on our instagram and our facebook uh, and our personal linkedin and instagram are going to be linked in the show notes so if you want to contact us directly you can use that or you can also um email either of us zach at campgroundcompasspodcast.com don at campgroundcompasspodcast.com or you can email the whole campground compass staff which is hi at campgroundcompass.com or podcast at campgroundcompass.com whichever you fancy nice um and they should also remember to come see me oh yes I yep. am going to be at KOA, KOA in Orlando, Florida, November 16th and 17th. So just a few days away. Make sure you come check out the booth. Check us out. We'll have some free um, stuff. Yep. You ain't even, y'all ain't even ready for what's going to be there. It's <laughs> going to be a big a, treat. I can put a smile on somebody's face, I hope. Hopefully. And they Hopefully. can put one on mine. Hopefully. We'll sure hope so. Um, so make sure you go check us out. In Orlando, Florida, KOA Convention, November 16th to 17th. Uh, you can also look at our social media pages. Our Instagram is at Campground Compass. Our Facebook is also at Campground Compass. And you can go to our website, CampgroundCompassPodcast.com. If you have ideas, go to CampgroundCompassPodcast.com slash ideas. Woohoo! Take a breath. <sighs> that's a lot to say. I think that's a wrap for today. Yep. So we will see y'all next week. This is going to be weekly on, released on what, Mondays? Mondays. Um, so we'll be here next week, and we'll see y'all then. All right. All right, we'll Later. see you. Thank you for listening to Campground Compass. I'm so glad you joined us. Check out the show notes and more of our seasoned advice at campgroundcompasspodcast.com. While you're there, be sure to explore the archives for previous episodes. And if you never want to miss a single audio adventure in four season business growth, subscribe to this podcast here and on YouTube. If you like what you're hearing, please consider leaving us a positive review on iTunes. It would be very much appreciated. Friends on social media, check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Campground Compass. Until next time, stay savvy.